Welcome, boys and girls. This is I Just Like the Duck, an Orioles podcast. You know, there's something uh, interesting that I wanted to get to later in the podcast. Essentially, you know, falling in love with a new team. And the difficulties that we have during a rebuilding program uh, as Orioles fans. You fall in love with somebody, and they get traded. Uh, And then you have to figure out these new names, these new players each year. So we're going to get to that a little bit later in the podcast. But wanted to start with a recap. Where are we at this year with the uh, with the Orioles? And I thought uh, that we'd start with just the uh, you know the record so far. You know the Orioles, by all accounts, started out so incredibly hot. I mean, we we went up to Fenway Park for opening day uh, and swept the Red Sox, who then went on a absolute tear. Uh, but incredible uh, three game, you know, absolutely incredible to open up the season for this team to sweep the Red Sox, uh, who we now know are a uh, an absolute incredible team. The Red Sox actually leading in the AL East that we'll get to here in a bit. Uh, we then drive a little bit farther south uh, and play a three game series with the Yankees that did not go quite as well. We did uh, we did end up winning uh, the last of that three game series uh, in the eleventh inning. That was fun to see. Uh, score of four to three, uh, and then we went home for the Orioles opening day uh, at Camden Yards, where we faced the Boston Red Sox, who I mentioned uh, did not lose uh, for quite some time after that opening day weekend series. So we get swept uh, by the Red Sox, uh, and then we have a four-game series that ended up being two days of doubleheaders against the Seattle Mariners. And uh, you know what? The Orioles are not liking these seven-inning games. We end up winning one of the four uh, with the Seattle Mariners. Uh, not a great outcome. But, uh, you know, after uh, after a week uh, of Camden Yards, uh, the team packed up, probably tired of those two-game, uh, two-day doubleheaders, uh, and come to Dallas, Texas, my hometown, uh, where they faced the Rangers and actually got two of three coming extremely close to sweeping the Rangers, uh, but losing the final game yesterday. 1-0 after 10 innings. Uh, but you know what? It was an absolute incredible result for the Ranger or for the Orioles against the Rangers. It was great to see us win two of three in really resounding fashion. We won the first game 5-2, the second game 6-1, and again losing the third game 1-0 in extra innings. Uh, but a, a great outing. Um, you know, the, the Orioles kind of hung in there. Uh, look, we, we've been kind of having some some issues, and, and so when we look at the fast, yes. Uh, I I think we're quick to make some snap decisions. I know that um, you know in a few of the Birdland Tonight episodes we talked about um, you know who'd we bring up and replace Freddie Galvis, and of course Freddie Galvis goes on an absolute tear while he's down here in Texas, uh, and almost doubles his batting average or adds I think a hundred points to his batting average. Um, but you know what? It, it just kind of goes to show that it's it's still so early in the season. We've we've essentially had a little over two weeks. Uh, so I, I think before anybody makes any, you know, decisions, bringing anybody up, you know, outside of those folks that are on the 10 day injured list or anything like that, uh, you got to give them at least the month of April, uh, to go out there and, and, and see what's going on. You know, you, you're going to see guys that are you know hot one week, uh, and cold the next, but you know, it's baseball, there's 162 games, uh, it's a six month season. So, you know, we'll see everything, uh, average out if you will. Um, you know, but what we've what we have seen so far is that you know we we've seen some you know impressive outings by our starting rotation. I am really liking our starting rotation. Of course, um, going into the season, everybody just um, you know 
Roten pen, Roten stone that Zhang means was our ace. And again, you know, we talked about this on the Birdland Tonight episode. And by the way, uh, if anybody has not checked out Birdland Tonight, it is an absolute fun show uh, that happens nightly after each and every Orioles game. Just a, a 30 minute post game show. I listened to uh, a couple of the shows while I walked into work uh, the other day. So it's, it, it's just a fun thing to do. So if you guys get a chance, check them out. They're on Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, all the good social media stuff. Uh, Birdland Tonight. But um, so everybody had kind of penciled, you know, or, or penned in really John, Ming, John Means as the, the ace of the rotation, followed by um, Dean Kramer uh, and Keegan Aiken in some form or fashion, feeling that those guys had kind of earned their way into the starting rotation based off of some really limited results last year. And it just kind of goes to show you what we as fans know about baseball. Um, Keegan Aiken did not make the starting rotation. Dean Kramer did. Uh, and Dean Kramer has kind of had a bumpy start, uh, has really been placed in that um, kind of, uh, if I remember right, I think he, as he falls into the schedule, is typically the, the fifth starter. Not that, you know, how much do those rankings really matter once you get into the three, four, five spot. I think Hyde really kind of likes to, to mix everything up going lefty, righty, lefty, righty as much as he can. But then we saw uh, Bruce Zimmerman uh, really pitch his way. Uh, into the starting rotation, which surprised everybody. Again, thinking that it was um, probably going to be some form or fashion of Means, Aiken, Kramer, uh, and then, you know, one, two, or three of the veterans uh, between uh, Felix Hernandez, Matt Harvey, Wade LeBlanc. And what we found is that the only one that really kind of earned his way into the starting rotation was Matt Harvey. Again, you couldn't keep Bruce Zimmerman out after, you know, pitching as incredible, you know, the incredible performance that he had in spring training. So Zimmerman absolutely earning that spot, uh, currently slotted in that three uh, piece. And then, you know, the, I think probably the surprising factor was Jorge Lopez. Uh, and Jorge Lopez has been, you know, a, a really surprising um, product this year. When kind of you, when you look at kind of his stats, I think uh, I don't think he has the best um, win-loss record. Of course, nobody on the team really has a great win-loss record. Uh, but when you look at kind of his strikeout ratio, uh, especially it was it was really relevant in this uh, series. Um, let's see here. If we look at kind of the pitching stats, uh, he had an incredible game against the Rangers. Um, and when we look at kind of who has the most strikeouts on the team. Uh, it is John Means who had an incredible outing last night. Uh, unfortunately, that uh, the team got the loss. But uh, he's got 23 strikeouts, uh, while Jorge Lopez has 17. Um, now, again, when you look at kind of his ERA, Jorge Lopez uh, is quite high. Um, at uh, let's see here, at a little over eight and a half. Um, but what's interesting is I think I think that. Hyde, manager Hyde, is, is finding ways to use these guys, you know, understanding who has trouble, you know, hitting through the, you know, getting through the third time of the order. When do you pull these guys, regardless of where they're at with their pitch count? Um, you know, maybe you just start seeing things. And I think Jorge Lopez is one of those guys where you just have to keep a close eye on him. I mean, he's going to get strikeouts, which is incredible. But especially when he starts getting, you know, into the, the you know, batter starts seeing him at the at third time. You know, you really kind of have to wonder, okay, do I do I go for a long man or do I leave him in for a, you know that fifth, sixth inning? Uh, so far, he hasn't gone too long. And I think that that'll change as guys 
uh, get a little bit better. And, you know, and, and I think that other things that are going to change uh, is the success of, you know, I, I, I absolutely love Cesar Valdez. But I was listening to a podcast this morning and they were talking about how, you know, the Boston Red Sox uh, are still talking about Cesar Valdez. Uh, and that, um, you know, crazy changeup that he has and trying to figure out because they know they've got, uh, let's see here, 13 more games, uh, with the red, with the Orioles. So the Red Sox, they're still trying to figure out, Hey, how do we hit, uh, Cesar Valdez? And I think that they'll, you know, these guys are professional baseball players. They'll, they'll figure something out there, but, uh, ooh, I, I, you know, it was fun. I, I actually had my family in town. I was talking to my, uh, my dad, who is not necessarily a baseball fan and knows nothing about the Baltimore Orioles, so it was kind of fun to watch the game with him and you know tell him the story about Cedric Mullins, uh, who in 2019 dropped all the way down uh, to Double A after kind of you know being the presumed replacement for Adam Jones, um, you know, and then you know earning his way back and now being the best hitter uh, in the Orioles lineup. Telling him about Trey Mancini, who was out all of last year uh, battling stage three colon cancer, and then you know let me tell you about our closer Cesar Valdez. Uh, this, you know, uh, I, th I think Caesar's like 33, 35 years old, something in that range that, you know, and he doesn't throw a, a fastball. He throws this, you know, Frisbee, um, change up and, and explain that. And it was kind of unfortunate the game that we watched Valdez did not come in. Uh, the Orioles ended up kind of putting that game, uh, out of reach from the Rangers. That was our six, one loss on Saturday. But, um, but that was really fun. Kind of just, you know, talking through some of these different players and what they have, um, but when we kind of look at the rest of the team, you know, the pitching's been great. Uh, our bullpen's been great. Uh, you know, we see some guys um, out there, you know, Travis Lakin Sr. and Cole Solcer still have yet to get uh, an earned run. We see guys like Cesar Valdez uh, with a 1-1-3 ERA, Paul Fry with a 1-3-5. I mean, these are incredible performance. Adam Plutko still with an ERA under two. Uh, besides the you know, our, our starting rotation, Adam Plutko has pitched uh, the most innings, you know, at nine and two thirds. So um, it, it's, I, I think that there's a lot of interesting things to see uh, with this team. Uh, we, we've still got a long ways to go, but, but the piece that I really wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, what it's like falling in love with the team that you, you know, don't really get to, you know, that's brand new almost every year. Uh, when you see kind of things, you know, going back all the way to 2018, right? Our, our 2018 roster was was very, very different. Of course, that was the, you know, this the season that uh, ultimately landed us uh, the Adley Rutschman pick. So you know that it wasn't a great season by any means. But that was also the year that we let J.J. Harding walk. Um, you know, that was the year that we traded Manny Machado, Jonathan Scope, Zach Britton, Kevin Gosman, Darren O'Day. I mean, these are these were guys that, you know, we had fallen in love with as fans, and then all of a sudden they're gone, um, you know, and then we come back for two. And again, to be quite honest, all of the players that we got in the trades, minus Jonathan Villar, which came through with the Jonathan Scope trade, uh, you know, we're just now seeing some of those players come in. You know, you know, that was the, the, the year that we, you know, got guys like Dean Kramer, Zach Pop, who we lost this year, Ryland Bannon. Um, also, you know, some guys that we've seen, Dylan Tate was part of that trade, um, you know, or, or part of that acquisition year. Uh, Cody Carroll, who we've, we've seen a bit, but also Bruce Zimmerman came over from the Braves, uh, Evan Phillips, who we've, we've seen before. Um, so, you know, we, we saw some of those guys, um, but it's going to be, you know, by no means other than Adley Rutschman. Um, I don't think that we're and and Bruce Zimmerman, which is a local kid, different story, but we're not really in love with any of those guys. Like we were with, with guys like Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope, uh, as, as well as guys like Kevin Gossman, who's having incredible success. 
uh, you know, now with the Giants organization, Darren O'Day, uh, who's now with the Yankees. So it, it was, you know, just kind of sad to see that. And then as we moved into that rebuilding period uh, in 2019, we saw guys like Andrew Kashner, Dylan Bundy, and then Jonathan Villar, who we had just saw for a year, but had an incredible performance in 2019, get traded away. Uh, again, for guys that we, we've just never even, you know, as I look through the list of kind of who we acquired in that trade, uh, or those, those three trades, uh, Isaac Matson is the only, you know, real player who's kind of ready. I mean, we, we've got guys like Elio Prado, uh, Noel Berth Romero, uh, who we got in the Andrew Kastner trade, two guys, uh, international players who are, are 18 years old. Uh, I think at the time they were like 16 or 17. Uh, Zach Peake, Easton Lucas, uh, Kyle Bronovich, uh, Kyle Bradish. I mean, some of these guys uh, are on our top 30 prod uh, uh, prospect list. Actually, I think only Kyle Bradish is, who's currently the, the number 15 uh, prospect. But then, of course, we went into the 2020 year, um, truncated year, where the Orioles were actually incredibly uh, competitive. But then, you know, and of course, we were really competitive based on the performance of our bullpen. Early on, we saw Richard Blyer traded. And then we saw guys that have been around the organization for years and years that, that I really enjoyed watching. Michael Givens and Miguel Castro uh, both get traded. I think uh, Castro went to the Mets and, and Givens uh, went to the Rockies. We also saw Tommy Malone get traded to the Braves. But again, he, he was only there for 2020. And, and again, I don't think anybody fell in love with him. Uh, and then, of course, we get into, you know, before the, even, the season even starts of 2021, and we trade uh, one of the guys that was so much fun to watch last year in, in Jose Iglesias to the Angels, uh, as well as Alex Cobb. Now, I, I can't really say that anybody ever really fell in love with Alex Cobb, even though he had a, you know, a five-year contract with the Orioles, but he was hurt. Um, I, don't, I don't think he ever actually got a win at Camden Yards, which was kind of interesting. But that's, um, <coughs> those were some of the players that we just kind of lost. And again, now we're looking at this Orioles roster of guys like Freddie Galvis, uh, Mikel Franco, um, and, and, and guys, you know, as well that, that you know, are, are the first year really seeing them uh, in Bruce Zimmerman, uh, Dean Kramer, um, new guys like Matt Harvey, how long is he going to be around? So it's, it's difficult. And, and one of the things that I think when we're watching the Orioles play, and especially when you see a team struggle at the plate, uh, when Freddie Galvis isn't hitting, Mikel Franco in the first week, you know, not hitting, you know, you, you kind of want to see guys come back up like Richie Martin uh, or maybe one of the new guys, Johnny Jones. But, um, but again, it's so early and I think that you just have to give these guys time and, and eventually you'll, you'll, you'll kind of fall in love with them. Um, you know, I really like uh, what I've seen lately from uh, Mikel Franco. Uh, I think he's making some incredible plays at third base. I think he's hitting the ball really well. Uh, we saw, you know, again, we didn't see a lot uh, from Freddie Galvis in spring training. Uh, to be quite honest, I don't think he hit the ball all that well. Um, but he was the shortstop. He was the veteran shortstop. We knew, you know, you know, going into spring training that uh, that he was going to be our, our starting shortstop and, and, you know, for the foreseeable future until he kind of, you know, didn't hit his way out of the lineup. But um, he had an incredible... Uh, three-game series, weekend series here in Dallas, and hopefully, he, you know, he has that uh, carry through there in Miami and then back in Camden Yards, so we'll see what happens there with Freddie. But as you look through this lineup, as you look through who we have, you know, on the current roster, Trey Mancini, Ramon Urias, Freddie Galvis, Mikel Franco, Rio Ruiz, essentially our entire infield, how many of those guys do we really feel 
are going to be with the team even as early as next year. Um, you know, I, I think we all know that, look, Trey Mancini, incredible story. Um, and, and to be quite honest, I think the incredible story coming back from, from cancer makes it a little bit different uh, for Mike Elias and, and being able to trade him. But we knew that there were trade rumors before. Uh, and, and Trey Mancini kind of fits the mold as, hey, somebody that they can sell high and, and kind of, you know, continue that rebuild process that I absolutely hate because I think that we could be a competitive team now. Uh, and the same was said with Anthony Santander. So when we look at our outfield of DJ Stewart, um, Ryan McKenna, Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle, and let's be honest, Ryan Mountcastle is not an outfielder. Ryan Mountcastle is only playing the outfield because Trey Man City plays first, and we're starting to see it. Um, you know, I think Ryan Mountcastle ends up being a first baseman designated hitter. I think all things considered, Trey Man City probably has one more year in the organization. I don't think the Orioles are going to give him a long-term contract. He deserves a long-term contract, and some other team is going to give that to him. Um, you know, he's he's really kind of struggled, you know, early on in the month of April, uh, but that's going to change, I think. I mean, here's the difficulty. Let's be honest. Uh, there's a lot that you don't know, you know, after you've spent a year going through chemotherapy, right? I mean, the fact that he's even on the baseball field is amazing, but if, you know, we all, you know, remember the incredible performance that Trey had in 2019, now 2018, uh, he was, you know, injured a bit and kind of played through that. But 2019 was absolutely incredible. Um, so if he has, you know, anything close to that year, uh, he's going to get traded. Um, and, and good for Trey because I, I hope that that trade ends up with a uh, long-term, um, you know, multi-million dollar contract that, that he absolutely deserves. So when we look at this team, who, who's actually, you know, part of the Orioles' future? Well, probably DJ Stewart. Probably Ryan McKenna, definitely Cedric Mullins, the way he's played, and Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, that's it. Pedro Severino, Chance Cisco, not part of the long-term plans. Um, like I said, Ryan Mountcastle probably. Anthony Santander, again, similar with Trey, you know, was discussed about trading. Um, I think that they tried to figure out some type of way to, to prorate uh, his uh, his first year of arbitration or second year of arbitration. Uh, it just kind of goes to show you that the the team's not committed to, you know, this guy long term. I think that there was definitely some discussions on, you know, if we can't trade him, do we DFA him? Something that they did with Renato Nunez last year. I forgot to remember, forget Renato Nunez from uh, from the 2020 team. You know, and also uh, Hanser Alberto, uh, another guy that, you know, it was hard not to fall in love with Hanser Alberto. Uh, again, now with the Kansas City Royals uh, and, and I think doing well uh, with the Orioles organization, I Given the struggles that we saw at second base, and the fact that you know our uh, Yomer Sanchez was uh, cut from the team, uh, you know coming out of spring training, and who are we going to have at, at second base? Sure, would have been nice if we could have had Hans Roberto back there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where he'd fit in the lineup now with uh, Mullins doing so well, uh, you know, uh, as the leadoff hitter, but maybe somebody that plays in your nine hole, you know, so that you can get that nice turn. Um, but you know, we'll see. Um, it, it is what it is. So when you look at kind of who is, uh, you know, the team of the future, you know, I, I would like to think that it's going to be Heston Kerstad that's going to be part of that team. We still have not heard or seen anything of Heston Kerstad. I think that, uh, again, no, again, I, I get that we haven't heard much about Heston. I get that he had COVID and he came down with a case of um, myocardi myocarditis. Um, and, and that that's, again, that's a health issue that's, again, he doesn't need to share that. So I, I get that, um, 
you know, why we might not have heard a lot, but, you know, that's one of the, I'm hoping uh, that he comes back and, you know, he's part of this team going forward. You know, we're probably going to see Cedric Mullins manning center field. I am so excited to see Austin Hayes come back because I think we're lacking that athletic ability in left field. And we've seen a lot of balls hit out to left field that I think Austin Hayes makes a, uh, an incredibly athletic play, um, you know, to, to get it out as opposed to a, a ball dropping. Um, you know, we're probably going to see Ryan Mountcastle manning first base. Um, you know, that to me is, is, you know, almost kind of written stone. Uh, we'll probably see guys like, uh, Taryn Varva, who's currently the number 12 prospect playing second base, probably some, you know, some mixture of Gunnar Henderson or Jordan Westberg, uh, playing shortstop and third base in the future. And then of course, everybody, you know, it's just a given that Adley Rutschman is going to be behind the plate. Uh, and that's not including guys like Adam Hall and Eusniel Diaz, uh, and Ryan McKenna as well. Th these are guys that are going to be playing off our bench. Uh, and, and going to be good quality guys. Uh, these are the guys that eventually we're going to fall in love with, right? Now, a couple of these guys are on the team now, Cedric Mullins. Uh, not only is it fun to watch Cedric Mullins play, I really enjoy listening to Cedric Mullins when he gives interviews. Uh, he's just a, such a smart kid, well-spoken, humble athlete. Um, I, I, I wish there was more time uh, you know, for him behind the mic. Uh, see him give a, little bit, uh, a couple more interviews. I saw where MLB Network did a... Uh, kind of behind the scenes deal with uh, Ryan Malcastle for spring training. That was kind of fun. I wouldn't mind seeing one of those with uh, Cedric Mullins. When we look at kind of the, the pitching staff right now, we've got John Means, and I think that Bruce Zimmerman is probably here to stay. Um, when we look at the, the rest of the guys that are in the rotation right now, uh, Dean Kramer, maybe. Uh, Keegan Aiken, if he can work his way back, maybe. Uh, but we've got guys like Mike Bauman, Zach Lothar, and of course the top two guys, D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, this is this is going to be their rotation. You know, means as incredible as he's performed right now, uh, and he'll probably still be the ace when those guys come up, Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. But after a couple of years, um, you know, it, it, those guys are probably going to move up the the rotation lineup, and, and John Means kind of slots there as probably a really good number three uh, in our rotation. But um, until then, you know. We have what we have, and, and I think that that's a, actually a competitive team. Now, do I think that we, you know, until until I see otherwise, until we're mathematically proven wrong, I think this team can be competitive, and by being competitive, I think that we can get close to 100 wins. When you think about it, you've got 162 games. When you do the math, 100 wins is a little over 60%, something like 61, 62%. Um, you know, and, and that's being, you know, a fair bit better than a 500 team. Uh, hey, I would love if we could be a 500 team. Um, I mean, when you think about that, you know, 182 games, you're talking about, um, what is that? 100 162, that's, uh, 81 wins. So, uh, yeah, I think that we can do, I think we can do that. Um, you know, based off of, again, the way that these guys are pitching and we know that we have some hitters on the team and they're just not hitting as well as they could. Um, you know, we know the potential of DJ Stewart. Cedric Mullins has been absolutely incredible. We know Austin Hayes because we've seen it. We saw it in spring training. The kid is a hitter and the kid is an athletic defensive left fielder. So, uh, I'm excited when he comes back. Now, Pedro Severino has shown that, you know, his back can get hot. Chance Cisco, no, uh, to be quite honest, I wouldn't be surprised if Chance Cisco, uh, you know, gets sent down and, and give somebody like Austin wins a chance, but, you know, before Adley Rutschman comes up. But again, how, how well is Adley performing at the alternate side? Let, let's be honest, Adley's ready now. 
Uh, so it would, be, it would be nice to see him come back up. And then we've got guys that, you know, just aren't, aren't hitting right now, but will. Anthony Santander and Ryan Mountcastle, they will hit. Um, but I'm liking what I see from guys like Michael Franco and, and even Freddie Galvis today. Now, second base is, is a bit of an issue, right? Uh, it was so much fun to see Ramon Urias hit a, a walk-off uh, single. Um, but let, let's be honest, you know, is, is that guy long for the, for the Orioles, you know, for the season? Uh, and, and what about Rio Ruiz? Uh, he has, has just not performed at the level that I think we were all hoping for. Defensively, not too shabby. Um, but, again, you got to be able to hit in this league. doesn't matter how good your defense is. If you can't hit, uh, you know, they're going to find somebody who is. I actually had a, um, it's actually my father's cousin who played uh, in the Rangers organization uh, in, in their minor league system for years and years and was absolutely an incredible defensive player. Played every position. Uh, including catcher for the Tulsa Drillers. Uh, I can't remember what the Oklahoma City team was called at the time. Uh, the Tulsa Drillers being the double-A team where he spent the majority of the time. Uh, and he talks about, look, it is incredibly hard, especially when you move from a aluminum bat to a wooden bat to hit in the major leagues. Uh, it, it's, it's just not something that a lot of people can do. And if you can do it, uh, then you'll have success. And that's something that we haven't seen quite yet with Rio Ruiz. He's got the power. Um, but we would like to see a little bit more average. But to be fair, look, Trey Mancini's not hitting it well. Neither is Anthony Santander. Um, so I, I don't, and, and again, it's only two weeks into the season. So let's wait and see where we end up at the end of April. Uh, that's that's really it, you know. Um, you know. Uh, oh, the last piece, Chris Davis. What, what, what was going to happen with Chris Davis? Um, look, he's on the 60-day I.L., but uh, there's a lot of talk on you know various different podcasts on, on whether or not he's played his last game in an Orioles uniform, uh, which I think is going to be a shame. Uh, but but you know if, if the Orioles aren't going to play him, uh, you know are, is the plan just to leave him in this kind of perpetual IL? Um, you know and, and maybe Chris is going along with. Look, Chris is still getting paid, so you know I, I think he's kind of a company guy. And hey, whatever the team wants, he, he he's kind of going along. But if they're playing a game of chicken on whether or not Chris Davis will decide to retire and forego the rest of his salary, that's not a game that the Orioles are going to win. Uh, nobody passes up uh, that much money. That's, um, you know, that's, you know, money for his, for his family, for generations to come. That's generational wealth. Uh, so I think that the Orioles, if they're playing that game, they're not going to win. I would really like to see Chris Davis come back. And here's the other thing. What if they, what if they did cut Chris Davis and Chris Davis was was able to get on with another team. I mean, we saw Chris Davis can still hit. We saw that that was, that's, you, yes, he's had poor performances and he's a power hitter. He's probably going to hit right at 200, maybe 220. Um, and, and yes, we've seen in 2018, 2019, just in, incredibly poor performances. To be, let, let, let's let's no, not be shy about it. He really wasn't given a chance in 2020. But we saw in spring training of 2020, at least the first spring training, that he was an absolute beast. He still has potential. That's still in him. He's still a Major League Baseball hitter. And he's a pretty damn good first baseman defensively. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see a team pick him up and, and give him a chance. Now, it probably wouldn't be until spring training and he'd have to prove himself. Uh, but we've seen that he can do that. So that would be something interesting to watch. Um, but until then, until he comes off the 60-day IL, which I think is still another two months away, uh, or at least another, no, can't be two months, 60 days, right about two months and we're so another five, six weeks, 
until he comes back, and then we'll see the next phase and the next chapter of the Chris Davis saga. But I'm excited to see about it. Uh, that's all I really got. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about kind of, you know, the difficulty in falling in love with new teams. Uh, but I, I'm starting to get, get there with some of these guys. Bruce Zimmerman, um, you know, we've seen John Means for a couple years now. He's got to be one of our favorites. But even guys like Michael Franco, um, yeah, he got thrown out in a weird play this weekend. Didn't really love that. Um, I have another thing, another segment I'll probably talk about on one of the Birdland Tonight podcast, but I think that that might have more to do with the third base coach uh, than it does with Michael Franco's poor base running, uh, at least this weekend. But that's all I got for today. This was I Just Like the Duck, a Baltimore Orioles podcast.